Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There's a word God has put in my spirit from the book of Judges, chapter 16, verses 21 through 22. Now, I cite that passage in hopes that you will read chapters 13 through 16. For in those four chapters of this historical book, we have the narrative of the life of Samson. But I want to home in to two verses that will anchor our focus, will uh, leverage our reflections around the life of this man. In the book of Judges, chapter 16, verses 21 through 22, in the New International Version, it says, Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless his word. I want to preach this morning from this passage and its context in those four chapters that I've cited in the book of Judges. The subject is when failure meets favor. When failure meets favor. The word favor follows the word failure in our dictionaries. This is more than a linguistic compilation or a semantic construction But I want to suggest to you today that it is also true of life, that favor follows failure. At the heart of the Christian faith is the conviction that failure, however daunting it is, however devastating it might be, that failure is not the last word. Through the grace of God, no matter how far you fall down. No matter how far you fall down, you can still get up. Charles Colson was a trusted advisor of President Richard Nixon and was convicted in the Watergate scandal. But he was reported as saying this, and I'm quoting from his book, Loving God. He said this, The real legacy of my life was my biggest failure. That I was an ex-convict, my greatest humiliation. Being sent to prison was the beginning of God's greatest use in my life. 
He chose the one experience in which I could not glory for his glory. It's amazing what God can do with failure. Failure can and does meet favor. It's not a blind date, but it is a focused and fixed factor in God's plan of salvation. And today I want to illustrate and demonstrate to you in the life of a tragic figure in the Old Testament, Samson, whose name means sun-like or sunshine. His legacy of failure, the brightness and the radiance that he was supposed to bring to Israel, this radiance was dimmed and darkened by his repeated failure. But in the end, it is not failure that is the last note. The strength returned, and he experienced God's favor. When I looked at the life of this man, this tragic figure in the Old Testament, Samson, I found four movements in the text that provide strong clues to how failure can meet favor. First of all, there is the face of failure. Failure can only be deemed failure when it is compared to some standard, when it's laid alongside some absolute, some expectation from which failure is a detour or deviation. This is why the existence of evil in this world is the strongest argument you have for the existence of good. Because if there is no good, how could there be evil? Apart from a standard of good, apart from a standard of success, failure would have no face at all. This is exactly the condition of the Israelites in the book of Judges in the 12th century B.C. And this is why this book of the Bible ends with this chilling statement in those days. There was no king in Israel. And everyone, because they lost a sense of what was right in God's eyes, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's no longer 12th century B.C., it's 21st century America. When people make up their own rules and do what is right in their own eyes. And so... It is in the context. See, the face of failure in Samson's life must be looked at in the context of his birth and his unique calling. The angel of the Lord himself came to Samson's parents and said that this child would have a special purpose. The sad story, if you read all of the chapters, is that Samson squandered his power. He disappointed his parents. He abused his charisma. And finally, he betrayed his purpose and calling in life. That's the face of the failure. That God had called him to this distinctive destiny and dignity. And he fell away from it. But the reality is, and the application for us today, is that all of us have a purpose. You are not here, and I'm not here by accident. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the point of greatest pleasure and joy is when you and I find that purpose. We're so special that there's nobody else like you. In all the years of human history, down through the ends of time, 
identical twins are not identical. They might look alike in appearance, but they're distinctive. And the face of failure is our falling away from the dignity and the destiny that God has invested and implanted in our lives. All of us know someone like Samson who was born to great pedigree and possibility and potential but underachieved and undershot their goals. In many instances, we have to look no further than the person in the mirror to see the face of failure. Who among us would not like to have some decisions back? This is the reason why you will never be able to live with the what now until you learn how to live with the what ifs. Some of us are struggling right now with what to do now, with what to do now, because we haven't resolved the what if. The what if haunts us and pulls us back. But there's favor in failure. Samson couldn't go back, but his hair grew again. The face of his failure was the destiny and the dignity to which God had called him to. And he squandered it. He abused it. He was born from his mother's womb to be a Nazarite. Look at Numbers chapter 6 verses 1 and follow it. He could not drink wine because his appetites were to be crucified. He could not touch a dead body because his affections were to be crucified. And no razor was ever to go on his head because his appearance or concerns about his appearance were to be crucified. He was to be totally devoted and designated for God. And he squandered the privilege. There is the face of failure in this man's life. But there is the fact of failure. The fact of failure, not just the face, but the fact of it. Two of the four chapters devoted to Samson's life in the book of Judges focus primarily on the facts of his failure. And what I'm saying to you is you play around with temptation and you play around with sin and sooner or later you're going to get caught. We dare not act like the young woman walking through the mall. She had a t-shirt on, and the t-shirt had on the front of it these words, lead us not into temptation, for I can find it on my own. <laughs> we can be tempted by Satan because he is like a roaring lion who walks among us seeking whom he may devour. But you know what's worse than that is when we are tempted by self. See, there's some stuff we know we ought not be doing. Samson put himself in some situations where it was just self. He had had all the warnings, all the admonitions, uh, prohibitions against it, and yet there he found himself. And sooner or later, when you have that kind of recklessness, that kind of disregard for who you are and whose you are, you're going to run into somebody that has your number. And some clippers. <laughs> In Samson's case, it was Delilah. And she was able to wrench from him the secret of his strength. 
The fact of Samson's failure is that he disobeyed the law, he disrespected his Nazarite vows, he defied his parents, he indulged himself in the pursuit of sensual pleasure. Rather than marshalling and organizing the Israelites for a national focused assault against the Philistines, their ancient enemies, he made it the object of a private war and personal vendetta. He destroyed their crops, he mocked and murdered their soldiers, and his personal interests transcended those of the nation. Those are the facts. Read them in chapters 14 and 15 of Judges. But there's also the folly of his failure. Samson's life is a reminder that if you live too close to the enemy territory, you will eventually be taken prisoner. If you live too close to the enemy territory, you'll find yourself a hostage. We need to be careful about our associations. We need to be careful who we talk to. We need to be careful who we listen to. If you live too close to the enemy, you'll find yourself in chains. There's a parallel passage in 1 Samuel chapter 17 with David. And David shows up at the Valley of Elah his brothers are there. His fathers have sent him with provisions because they're fighting the Philistines just a few years later. They're fighting them. And, and for 40 days, this giant of a man named Goliath, a Philistine soldier, had been coming out some nine feet tall, challenging the Israelites, taunting them, teasing them, terrorizing them. And David shows up. And David becomes angry. As he hears the taunts of this giant, Bible says in that passage that Goliath had quit just standing on Philistine soil and he crossed over into the valley and he moved into Jewish territory. What David knew and what we must understand is that when you tolerate a giant, when you tolerate an enemy, he'll just take up more territory. Samson's mistake was he forgot that you shouldn't talk to the enemy. But if you talk to the enemy, you need to talk giant talk. You can't get giant talk in Starbucks. You can't get giant talk from USA Today. You can't get giant talk reading your stock report. But I tell you, there is some giant talk. See, if you don't talk to your giant right, you'll mess around and be taken hostage. If you don't talk to your giant right, he'll take up more territory. Anybody dealing with any giants today? You got to be able to talk to your giant. Samson was sweet-talking his giant. And when you try to sweet-talk a giant... You always end up in the barber chair with no hair. <laughs> Delilah, she had Samson's number because he was living too close to the enemy territory. And he ended up giving away his secret. And she used it in a conspiracy to get him in prison. This is where we find him. I did everything else to get us to this point. Here we find him with his eyes gouged out, head shaven, strapped to a millstone, and being worked as a beast of burden. 
And I'm sure with every rotation of that large stone, he revisited the folly of his ways, the broken promises, the lost potential, the missed opportunities. Although he was physically blind, I believe now the inner spirit of his life, the inner spirit of his person saw clearer than it ever seen before. He had given his enemies cause to boast in their God. And that's what happens when we live too close to enemy territory. Rather than bringing glory to Israel, Dagon, the Philistine God, was given temporal glory because of the capture of one of God's servants. Bible says he was brought to the temple of Dagon and they made sport of him. They didn't want to make him a martyr. They were satisfied in mocking the man as a perpetual commercial to Israel about their lost status. And as I move toward a close that this is the folly of sin because when you dabble with the enemy, it'll take you to places you don't want to go. It'll make you pay more than you want to pay. And it'll make you stay longer. You see the face of failure in the text. I hope you see that the fact of failure, there is the folly of failure, but there is the forgiveness of failure. I'm glad to report that while Samson failed miserably, that his failure are not the last words in the text. The Bible says, Bible says that his hair began to grow again. I don't care what it is, what you're going through, your hair. Don't leave this in the physical context of just hair. Whatever it is, whatever you've lost, Here's the good news. <laughs> oh, here it is. His hair began to grow again. That which was the essence of his strength, the emblem of his power, the insignia of his purpose, it began to grow again. However tragic it might be, the wonderful conclusion of the story of Samson's life, his hair began to grow again. His hair began to grow again. I, I struggle with this, preachers, because I thought for sure Delilah told them where his strength come from. And it seems to me that if they were serious about holding this brother, that somebody would have kept some clippers close by. I thought someone would be on the job, but what I'm realizing is that the enemy makes a mistake. When he underestimates the resiliency and resourcefulness of our relationship with God. You know what? We make a mistake too sometimes. Because when you read the text, it kind of comes out that even Samson didn't know. You can be locked in failure. You can be locked in a failed mindset so long. You are not aware that your strength has returned. I have a sense that even when Samson's hair grew back, he had sinned so hard on himself that he wasn't aware. He hasn't tried to move any doorpost out of their place. He'd not tried to reach a jawbone of an ox and kill anything. He'd not tried to push the bars of his cell. But some of y'all are here today and you act like you have no power. You are laying down 
and you're playing dead as if your strength has not come back. If you are a child of the king, no matter what has happened, uh, failure is not the last word. Uh, what you need to do is get up. Yes, get up and say, I'm a child of the king. And I don't have to live this way anymore. I don't have to be abused. I don't have to be lied on. I don't have to be cheated. I don't have to be denied. You can talk about me and mock me as much as you want to. But I'm a child of the king. His strength came back. I want you to know until he prayed, he didn't know his strength to come back. Some of you don't know your strength has come back, but you trying to figure it out. You trying to work it out. But what you need to do is fall down on your knees. Say, Father, I stretch my hand to thee. I need more strength to run a little bit further. I do have a witness until he prayed. He didn't know that his strength had come back. I want you to know that failure is not the last word. When failure meets guilt, it leads to shame. When failure meets vengeance, it leads to murder. When failure meets pride, it leads to arrogance. When failure meets excuses, it leads to justification. When failure meets the law, it leads to judgment. When failure meets opportunity, it leads to habit. When failure meets jealousy, it leads to boasting. When failure meets unforgiveness, it leads to bitterness. When failure meets ignorance, it leads to more ignorance. But I got good news. When failure meets favor, it leads to joy. You know why I know? You know why I know? Failure leads to joy. Because on a hill called Calvary, the greatest failure met the greatest favor. That was my savior. Man had sinned on his grace account. But my God put the sin on his shoulder and walked up to Calvary. And there he died. Didn't he do it? They stretched him wide. They dropped him lower. They hung him higher. And he Yes, he did. He kept on dying. Yes, he did. He didn't come down. And I'm so glad he said, Father, 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 forgive them for they know not what they do. And then when he got ready, he tucked his head in the hollow of his shoulder and he died. He died. He died. But somebody said uh, he must have failed uh, at his mission uh, but I got good news I got good news early, early, early. Sunday morning uh, he got up uh, and because he got up uh, you can get up uh, and you can get up uh, and you can get up you can get your strength back you can get your joy back uh, you can get your hope back you can get your purpose back. 
because he got up, because he got up, you can get your life back, you can get your family back, you can get your career back, because he's able, he's able, because he died, because he got up, whoever wishes. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.